0: Uh, really today, uh, this is set up to, as we look at the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 4. Uh, really today, we want to ask the question, is it biblical to marry a Moabite? Uh, is it biblical to marry a Moabite? Uh, we're going to see three points uh, today, three questions. is, um, And I think we want to address this question because even as you read, some people would say there's a contradiction. Uh, Boaz is uh, a Jewish person married to Ruth. Who is a non-believer? Oh, correction. Uh, not, someone that's non-Jewish. So we ask this question because sometimes in marriages uh, we ask. There's so many spectrum. You have to realize people's perspective of of marriage um, uh, of things. Because some people would say it is not right to mix, have mixed marriages in the sense of different ethnicities uh, of different ethnicities, and then some uh, would also. Then uh, the, the next question is the, after that is also. Uh, also, what about marrying non-Christian? So today we will have three points. Uh, point number one, is it permitted to marry a Moabite? Is it permitted to marry a Moabite? Okay. Point number two, is it permitted to marry a non-Christian? Uh, is it permitted to marry a non-Christian? And third is also application. Okay. Third is application. Uh, so in light of this, we see that there is uh, three points. Okay. Uh, so this is setting up so that when we look at Rule 4 we see that Ruth 4 eventually, uh, Ruth will be married to uh, Boaz. Uh, Ruth will be married to Boaz. Uh, So in light of this, um, we ask this first question, is it permitted to marry a Moabite? I want to look at some verses because at first it seems like a contradiction. Uh, Even if you realize, okay, I know the biblical answer already, I think it's still uh, good to look at it because sometimes this is brought up as issue of objection. Uh, issue, issue of concern, okay? Uh, there's some verses that hint, seem to suggest that it is not right to marry a Moabite. Uh, so we're going to look at different verses, okay? Turn with me to Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. Ezra uh, chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. So we've already seen our three points, okay? Uh, is, it permitted, is it permitted to marry a Moabite? Point number two, is it permitted to marry a non-Christian? And point number three is application, okay? So the application will be more driven towards the end, So, there's some verses that look like it is not permitted to marry Moabite. Turn with me to Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. Uh, Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. Okay, let's turn with me to Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. And when we get here, uh, the context, this was the Jews they came back to, uh, after being kicked out of the temple, they went back, okay, Uh, Verses one to three says: Now, when these things have been completed, the princes approached me, saying, "The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites had not separated themselves from the people of the land according to abomination. Those are the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. But have taken some of the daughters as wives for themselves and for their (coughs) sons. So the holy race has intermingled with the people of the land. Indeed, the hands of the princes and the rulers have been." Foremost in this unfaithfulness. When I heard about this about this morning, I tore my garment and my robe and pulled some of the hair from my head and my beard and sat down appalled. So, looking at this, you might even say, "Whoa, there is uh uh the, we see it's seen in a negative night light to marry what Gentiles or uh, married uh, those that are outside the ethnic Jews." Because here you see even Moabites mentioned. In fact, you see that Ezra was so upset that you see in verses 3, uh, that he even uh, tore his own garment in verses 3 and pulled some of his hair, uh, own hair and sat down and Like He was really, really sad and upset. Turn with me also as well to Nehemiah 13. Uh, so if you're in Ezra, so the next book, uh, pr- the pr- previous book before Ezra, correction, uh, the next book after Ezra is Nehemiah. Nehemiah 13, verses 23 to 27. You see, in the same light, in those days I also saw that the Jews had married women from Ashad, Ammon, and Moab. And of course, if you're from Moab, you're a Moabite, right? As their children uh, half spoke in the language of Shashad, and none of them was able to speak the language of Judah, but the language of his people. So I contend with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon king of Israel regarding these things? Yet among the nations there were no king like him, and he was loved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, a foreign woman even caused, caused even him to sin. Do we then hear about you that you have committed all these great evil by acting unfaithfully against our God, by marrying foreign women? Okay? So here you see that it is seen negatively, but then when we look at Ruth... Uh, next week, or two weeks from now, when we look at Roof chapter, actually more like uh, uh, two weeks from now, if you look, turn with me to Roof chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, if you guys could turn with me to Roof chapter 4. So there's these passages that it seems like it's seen in a negative light to marry a Moabite. Then in Roof chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, we see these passages, okay, where it seems like it is seen as a positive thing, that it is affirmed as a positive thing for a roof. A Moabite to be married to Boaz. So if you're turning with me to uh, the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verses 13. This is what it says, okay? Uh, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her. And the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. So you see that she, there is a son that's being born that they're married, okay? But let's look at what the Jews, do they affirm or do they say this is, uh, not give their affirmation that this is okay? Verse 14, then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has left you without the Redeemer today. And may His name become famous in Israel. Verse 15, may He also be a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. Okay, so they're seen and they're even praising Okay, Naomi, that this marriage is happening. Okay, Naomi being the uh, mother in law of Ruth. Okay, and in verses 16, Naomi comes, uh, uh, took the child and nurses him. And verse 17, look at the praise of the neighbors. The neighbor uh, woman gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they name him Obed. Okay, uh, some of your version will be Obed, I think. Uh, I think it's more likely the B is a V sound in Hebrew. And he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. So, you know in David who he is, there's almost like, oh wow, this is pretty neat. This is how it came about. And also, it seems like there's an affirmation of this. So, a lot of this, some people, uh, by the way, these verses I gave is actually, I found it online. There's something called a Skeptic Annotated Bible, which is like a list online of all these Bible contradictions. So, these verses, they will say, some of the skeptics will say, hey, look at these passage. And it seemed to be, it seemed to be that uh, on the one hand, there's some passages where. Uh, it is not permitted to marry a Moabite. And there's some passage that says it is okay to marry a Moabite. So which one would it be? Which one would it be? And I would say there is not a contradiction. Because I think when we look more carefully, there's, uh, I think the better question to ask is, why would Scripture say it is not right to marry a Moabite or foreigners? Okay? I think the reason is very important. Because if the, reason, the condition is not there, then I would say that therefore means... There is not a reason to not marry someone who is a Moabite. So let's look more carefully. Turn with me again. Uh, Turn with me real quick to Nehemiah chapter 13. We've looked at this earlier. I want to look at this first. Nehemiah 13 verse 23 to 27. We saw this. But look with me. If you guys turn with me to Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah. 13 verse 26. I want to zoom in to 13 verse 26. Nehemiah again 13 verses 26. By the way, the other reason why this is important is there are some people who would also say, you know what, we should never marry outside our ethnicity. Because look at all these verses that says you should not marry someone outside Jewish. But then we need to look in the context. Why was it? It's prohibited. Okay? Is it necessarily because of ethnicity alone? Or is it because of some other reason? If you look in Nehemiah 13, verses 26, this is what God's Word says in verse 26. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin regarding these things? Yet many nations, there was no king like him, and he was loved by God, and God made him king over Israel. Nevertheless, the foreign woman caused him to sin. So the issue, as you see here in verses 26, is the issue is that there is uh, the, the foreign woman were causing, if you remember the story of Solomon in 1 Kings 11, the foreign woman were, were marrying, Solomon married 700 women, and he had 300 concubines, he had 1,000 women, probably the most that you ever see in scripture and outside of scripture. And yet all of that, First Kings 11, makes it clear that he pursued, what, foreign gods. So what it says here is because of the issue of sin. So I don't think it's necessarily ethnicity per se. But when Nehemiah says, when in the, uh, Nehemiah, when now they're seen, disapproval, they married all these women. The Ammonites, the Moabites, all these other ites and lights, okay? So in light of all this, why is that important? is because they're leading them to sin, okay? So it's not ethnicity in and of itself. They're leading them, and as you know, it's re- invoking back to Solomon. And Solomon's day in 1 Kings 11 was because, the issue was because there had been marriage to foreign women, okay? Turn with me also as well to Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, okay? Uh, Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, if you guys could turn over there. Now when these things has been completed, the prince approached him, you remember the, uh, this whole thing that there's all these mixed marriages that has happened? When you look here also as well, if you look in this context, outside of the first three verses we read, look with me in verses 11, you see that there's a reason why there's pro- pro- prohibition. Verses 11 mentioned uh, in Ezra chapter 9, verses 11, it says, Which you have commanded by your servants the prophets, saying, The land which you enter are entering to possess is an unclean land with the uncleanness of the people of the land with their abomination which has filled it from the end to end with their impurity. Okay? What is this abomination? What is the abomination that in reviewing Israel's history they went to a foreign land before and then they have it as a promised land. What is the abomination that it was filled all over? And the term is really I- idolatry. Okay? there were idols. Okay? So you see in the context is actually the issue about faithfulness to what? To... God, okay? And instead of pursuing idols and other false idols. Look with me also in verses 14. Verses 14. Shall we break your commandments and intermarry with people who commit these abominations? So, notice here, it's not just marrying uh, people of different ethnicity in itself, but it's really because they were, uh, what, committed, married to someone else that were committed to what? False gods, okay? They were committed to false gods. So, in this slide, I would actually say that the prohibition... <laughs> Uh, we have to know the reason, because if the, prohibition, the real reason why there's prohibition of marrying Mobites Moabites is because of idols, it's because of uh, uh, Australia following a wrong theology and following false gods, then we ask, is this the case with Ruth? And if you look at the book of Ruth, is there ever mention that Ruth follow false gods? No, okay? But we don't just stay with the argument from silence, we go further. Actually, in light of the condition why uh, 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 intermarriage is prohibited, not in, in, notice it's not because of ethnicity per se. But it's because of false idols. Now we look even further with Ruth. Turn with me to Ruth chapter 1, verses 16. Uh, Earlier this summer, we looked at this when we're slowly marching through the book of Ruth. Uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, okay? Ruth chapter 1, verses 16. This is uh, what Ruth says here, okay? Ruth chapter 1, verses 16. This is what the Word of God says. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following me. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. This is incredible. Ruth here is actually professing these words. She's saying these words and she's saying it to her, uh, to her mother-in-law, Naomi. When she says here, your people, who is uh, Naomi's people? What ethnicity? What do we call them usually? Jews, okay? She's saying, your people, that is the Jews, shall be my what? People. In other words, she's now saying, I'm going to be what? Jewish. So technically, when you look at, in a technical point, in some sense, she's saying, you know, I'm no longer identifying myself as a Moabitess. Sure, later on, Ruth chapter 4, chapter 2, 3, there's still a mention about Moabitess, okay? Actually, chapter 2 and chapter 4, okay? But here, she's actually saying, I'm going to identify with what? With the Jews. But in what ways does she identify with your Jews. Look with, so it's not just, okay, just doing the culture thing with the culture thing, okay? But in verses, uh, if you look on, she says what? Your God shall be my what? God, okay? In other words, the God of the Bible shall be her what? God, okay? So, is she following idols? No. In fact, Ruth chapter 2 and chapter 3, uh, Boaz affirms her saying, Hey, you have a reputation of actually following what? Believing and trusting in God. Okay, remember when she was in the land in Ruth chapter 2, uh, f- picking up the fields, uh, all the grains. Uh, Boaz says, you know what, come to my field and, and all these things and you have trusted in God, right? You trusted in God to provide, okay? Specifically Yahweh, the God of the Bible, okay? Uh, Ruth chapter 3, later on, she even, he even says, you know what, you didn't pursue after other women, young or old, okay? And you're a godly woman. So in that sense, she's also, she's not just professing. But does she bear fruit? That she really believe in God. Yes. Okay. So in this light, okay, it is in this light. Thus, we see there's not a contradiction here. Instead, we see the skeptic mishandling biblical passages. Okay, ruthlessly, while well, pun intended. Okay. Uh, so she handled this. Uh, they handled this poorly. Okay. So in light of this, okay, I think one thing to realize is this: we cannot grab verses like this because there are some. Uh, there are some Christians, and I think we don't need to necessarily question their salvation, but there are some Christians that will quote this verse and say, you know what? You cannot marry outside your ethnicity, okay? But if you look at it more carefully, is that what Scripture teaches? No, okay? In fact, Ruth will be praised even in other books also as well, and within this book, okay? So as application, I think the first thing to realize is this. Marrying other ethnicity is not necessarily wrong. It will have its challenges, but it is not wrong, Okay? Uh, I say this because uh, I remember when I was in the Marines There's some guys that I met uh, You know from the down south Nothing wrong with that Uh, But some of them would say Oh you know what Uh, You have to marry your own kind Okay Uh, But that's not necessarily what scriptures And I think those guys were genuine sincere believers Okay But in its context Okay By the way this is not just only uh, Guys from the south This is also what Sometimes people could even hold those views And say oh that's unenlightened But then they hold it themselves We need to only marry what Chinese, Uh uh-oh, don't go there, right? But we got to go there, okay? We cannot say that. Because Scripture teaches that it is not wrong to marry a Moabite in of itself, okay? Not because of ethnicity, but because of straying away from God. Does that make sense, okay? Um, So here we see, I think there is a place for marrying what? Other ethnicity if they follow God. But also realize there might be cultural challenges, okay? There'll be cultural challenges. There'll be called to even love each other in a more understanding manner. But nevertheless, in of itself, okay, it is not wrong. Okay, so we see in the we'll, so I think we need to deal with this because as we go through the book of Ruth, if we never stop to even consider the more systematic theology question, uh, there's place for preaching verse by verse. We want to be expository verse by verse, but at the same time, the question will be lingering if you're reading. If you know the rest of your Old Testament, say, "Is it right for Ruth to marry uh, a Mo, uh, as a Moabite to marry Boaz, a Jewish?" We take a step back and see here that it is not what. Wrong in and of itself, okay? Which now leads to the second point, okay? By the way, remember our point. Our first point is Is it permitted to marry a Moabite? That's the first point. And the second point is Is it permitted to marry a non Christian? And the third is going to be drive more of application. And the application is for everyone here, okay? Uh, is it permitted to marry non Christians? So we already seen it's, uh, that you can marry other ethnicity. Yes, true or not? Yes, yes okay? Now, um, so no one could come over to me and say, uh, Jimmy, your marriage to Nancy is in sin, okay, in of itself. But we see that it is biblical or scriptural, okay? Uh, I'm not, by the way, this, I hope this you see is not my agenda just because I married someone outside of my ethnicity. I hope you see that it is driven more by scripture, okay? In fact, Ruth is not the only person that was non-Jewish that, that uh, married a Jew but had true faith in God. In fact, there are others also as well, okay? If you look, turn with me to Ruth chapter 4. You see the mention, we're going to be looking at this more uh, two weeks from now. But Ruth chapter uh, 4, if you look with me in verses, uh, verses I want to say 16, uh, uh, verses uh, 11. There's mention of two women. What's their name in verses 11? What are the two women's names? Rachel and Leah. Now, we're so used to Sunday school about Rachel and Leah. We're so used to hearing the story of Rachel's beautiful. Leah, you know, has something with her eyes or so, all this stuff. But we must never forget the context. Originally, were they ethnically Jews? No, who did they marry? Jacob, the father of the Jews. Well, Father Abraham, yes. But specifically, which lineage is through Jacob, who's also known as Israel. Which, of course, then having kids will be the 12 tribes of what? Israel, okay? So you see here, Rachel and Leah is mentioned, and they were what? Not Jewish, but yet here you see they're praised upon, okay? Now, you see in the book of Genesis, they have a lot of sins. They have a lot of sins, yes? Okay? We've looked at it this year, right? Combined congregation, other aspect, okay? They're not perfect, but nevertheless, there was a point they actually put their faith and trust in God, okay? So here we see, uh, it's not ethnicity per se, but whether or not this person will lead you astray, okay? By the way, which now leads to the next question: Is it permitted to marry a non-Christian? And I would say the answer is no, OK? The answer is no. I'm going to give five reasons, okay? We'll talk about application after. But I think the first thing we need to ask is, is, Scripture teaches this? Is there reasons why we say we should not marry? if you're a believer, if you're a general, listen, if you're a true believer and you really love and believe in God, should you marry a non-Christian? And the answer is, no, okay? Uh, There's five reasons. Number one, so within this uh, second point, there's like subsets of five reasons. Reason number one is the Bible commands us not to have fellowship with unbelievers. Reason number one among five is the Bible commands us not to have fellowship with unbelievers. Okay? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses fourteen to fifteen. Second Corinthians chapter six verses fourteen to fifteen. Okay. Second Corinthians six verses fourteen to fifteen. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Okay? Looking at these verse, There's four rhetorical questions How many? Four, okay And each one of them is presupposing A certain kind of answer, okay When it asks for instance Question um, here uh, uh, What does uh, Righteousness has to do with lawlessness it Is There shouldn't be, okay What does light have to do with darkness They are opposites, okay In fact, with the presence of light There's no longer what? Darkness, etc, okay uh, so then it asks more rhetorically, what harmony has Christ with Bela, which is what, a name of demons? Demons, yeah. Okay, there's few names of demons. The Jews had a whole taxonomy broken down and everything else, and of angels. And in fact, there's few names of angels, right? The only two names of angels we see in scripture is what, Michael, Michael and Gabriel. Okay. Same thing with Satan. There's the name Satan and there's this name. Okay. Uh, but, uh, some people say uh, Belzebub might be But that might be a title Beelzebub li- uh, literally means Lord of the Flies Okay, So here we see In light of this okay, uh, is mentioned They have nothing in co- uh, common Then it also says A believer in common with unbelievers The word by the way in common Is the word koinia okay? Now when you t- take a step back There is some similarities Between non-Christian and Christian True or not You see a whole mass of people In a university You see a whole mass of people lining up uh, In a bus station You can't tell necessarily who's Christian and who's not Okay So there's some commonalities They might look the same But we're talking about the word koinia Which is actually close partnership Business partnership Okay Uh, Picture more like the godfather Where business and personal life intertwine so much People giving each other's daughter to marry And they're forming what? Alliances and allegiances Okay That's what it's talking about This close partnership Okay This koinia that's going on here there should not be. Now, I know using this verse, there's been some people when I would confront as a pastor, say, hey, you know, this might not be necessarily a relationship that God approves of, that you're courting this person, that you're dating this person, that you're calling this person your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Because you're a non-Christian. And the person would say to me, this verse doesn't say anywhere the word boyfriend, girlfriend isn't, isn't stated there. Nor does it say this is about marriage. So you're abusing the verse, Jimmy. What I would say is this is the application from this truth. Because if it says here, partnership in general, we should not be together. What's the closest partnership and union you could ever have with somebody? Talk to me. Humanly speaking, what's the closest partnership and union you could ever have with someone? Marriage. Marriage. Okay. How much more in light of that should we say this verse does apply as application? Now, if you're gonna make it general, that doesn't get it away. That even means like, if it's general principle overall in other areas of life, yeah, you have to live in this world, but you're not of this world. But at the same time, if that's true in general, how much more so should it be true with what marriage? Okay. So we see this. Okay. Let's go now to reason number two. Reason. So reason number one, the Bible commands us not to have fellowship with unbelievers. And what we're trying to do, point number two, is ask the question: Is it permitted to marry an unbeliever? Is it permitted? To marry a non-Christian according to the Bible. And we're trying to give five reasons why Scripture will prohibit such an action and such a thing. We saw reason number one already. The Bible commands us not to have fellowship with unbelievers. But now let's go to reason number two. Reason number two, turn with me to first Corinthians seven. If you guys are in Second Corinthians, turn to me the previous book. We're gonna look at First Corinthians seven, and we're at the right place to turn to because first Corinthians seven is a lot about, it's a long chapter about relationship about singleness, relationship, and also what? Marriage and those that are widows. All of that, okay? So 1 Corinthians 7, verses 39. 1 Corinthians 7, verse what? 39. 39. Okay. When we turn there, just so I could catch my breath, Josh, could you read that out loud? A wife is bound as long as her husband lives. But if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But yeah. in my opinion, Okay, we'll stop there. Verses uh, 39, as we read here, says a wife, if they're married, they're bound to who? Each other. Remember, if you hear a lot of wedding vows, we often say, until death, what? Who is pregnant? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Notice, it talks about, if the husband is dead, which means the wife is now a widow, is she free to marry? Yeah. Is she free to marry whom she wishes? Yes. But with one condition, what is this? Only in the... Lord That is marrying those who are what? In Christ Okay In Christ You see in the Lord here Mentioning Mention uh, So we see It's very I think this is another verse I don't think you see this uh, Pulled often as much I think it's unfortunate But First Corinthians 7.39 Makes it clear that Yeah, you know Widowers could marry And widows can marry But only among those Who are in the Lord Okay The preposition in Shows the relationship Your identity Is rooted in Christ Okay That you're selecting those Who are in the Lord Okay Again this is not what I say I know uh, I feel of all the things I do in ministry uh, I know when I was in seminary When I was just a young Buck going to seminary They always say Preach sin And you'll get in trouble With people eventually ministry No You preach sin TCC all the time No one Everyone agrees We're sinful But I think when the fog clears And you get to specific That's where you What? People get really upset Okay? Uh, I think if you are With a non-believer I think some of you guys know That if you're with a non-believer I love you enough to what? Tell you what? You are wrong In a gentle way Over a meal And I'll pay for your meal But I will tell you Hey, this is not the right direction You don't want to go there You know why I do that? Because it's very awkward, right? Is it awkward to tell people They should not be in a relationship? Talk to me it is very awkward, okay? But you know what keeps me going is all those times where I ever tell someone, "Hey, you're wrong, and you need to actually end this relationship, or you know, like you really need to consider ending this." At the other side of it, at the other side is what I look forward to. At, at the uh, you know, in the fact, you know, they get upset. Who are you to judge? Blah blah blah. You know, you're judgmental. You're you know, you have it easy. You only been one person. You're married to a wife already that's a Christian. I say, yeah, it's true. It is true. By the way, I'm telling you not because I personally think it's bad. Uh, not because I like to tell people they're wrong. But we do because of what? Scripture. But on the other side, after your relationship ends. Or on the other side, even if they are still with that person and they're married. Afterward, the other hindsight, said, say, I'm glad you said that to me. You know, I'm glad, even though I hurts so at that time, you did not show up to my wedding. I'm glad you spoke to me. And I wish others did also as well. That's what I'm going for, faithfulness to God first, but also the big picture perspective, okay? So reason number two, uh, why is it not permitted to marry a non-Christian is Paul allowed a widow to marry, or a widow, but only within the Lord, okay? That is, those are believers. Reason number three, reason number what now? Three. Such a relationship with a non-believer will affect your character relationship with God. The third reason why? You don't want to be It's more of an issue of wisdom okay? So we've seen very clear passage the, the direct implication But now we want to go over more wisdom That if you're married with someone Who's a non-believer It'll affect your What? Relationship Your character With God Turn with me to First 1 Corinthians 15.33 If you guys are still in First Corinthians First 1 Corinthians 15.33 thirty-three. 1 First Corinthians 15.33 Albert when you get there Could you read that out loud? First uh, Corinthians fifteen, thirty three. Just so I can catch my breath. Do not be misled, bad company, corrupts good character. Yeah, notice it says here, right? Do not be deceived, right? Bad character corrupts what? Bad company corrupts good character. character. True or not? For those of you guys who are younger with school... Is there such thing as peer pressure to do what is wrong? Yeah, okay. So in light of this, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts what? Good character, okay. Uh, realize that non-believer does not accept biblical standard of morality, okay. Uh, and even if they do, their motive and reasoning for living a godly life is different, which also I think is shifting sand, Okay. Non-Christian might do the right thing outwardly, such as not steal or murder. But his reasoning and his motive would not be necessarily biblical, which is what? To glorify God, okay? And obviously, his standard of morality matters, okay? For us, the morality is based upon God and what he says as revealed in his word, okay? For others, it's based upon other things. Subjective opinions, okay? What society says, okay? Uh, So here, I think, remember also, the way we live our life sometimes is what we caught rather than taught, true or not. If you realize some of the things we do, it's not necessarily someone sat down and said, we do this. You just know it's how to do it. And then you start what? Mimicking. Or say, oh, everyone else does it. And then you do that. At a, maybe a subconscious level. So in light of this, one of the reasons why you don't want to be with a non-believer is because of the fact that you will be what? Either a sanctified man a believer, or you will be uh, causing a lot of stress also as well with your own personal walk and stress with God. Okay? Let me say all this. This is not to say... Uh, when I say all this, please don't apply this wrongly. to say those who are already married to non-Christians, therefore, should get a divorce. That's not what I'm saying either. Uh, in fact, uh, I have a two-point, two-sermon uh, two series on what, what, uh, what is God's requirement and what is God's grace for those who are married to non-Christians, okay? That we preached recently. Uh, ben was there when we were overseas, okay? Because the reality there is a lot of new people became saved, and they were not necessarily married to believers. Then sometimes the temptation is, do we leave my marriage, Do leave my marriage and marry someone within the church? And scripture says, no, stay. Okay, but yet God gives grace. Okay, but here, let's go back on with this. Uh, With this is, remember, our character does change. Have you seen anyone that they're married for so long that after a while they look like each other? You guys know anyone like that? After a while you look, they look like brothers and sisters. Okay, have you ever seen anyone? They love their dog so much and their dog loved them so much that after a while you look at the dog and the dog even looks like that person. Talk to me now, right? So in light of this, we change. We become like others, okay? We become like those around us, okay? We become like those around us. I remember even just even the Marines with all the guys from the South. After a while, I was like, hey, man, I'm actually drawing my certain accent out. It like, oh, uh, you know, and that, that's interesting, right? Because what that's what we are like, okay, when we're around uh, people, it does impact us okay? We would be foolish to think we're the exception okay? By the way, as a general rule of thumb Whenever you think you're the exception To a good rule That you apply to others That's probably not very wise As a general rule of thumb That's how often we often get in trouble right? For instance, our parents say hey, Bad characters uh, corrupts good uh, morals or, or bad company corrupts uh, good character And we say, yeah, that's true But mom, dad, you don't know better Because I'm different so as a general rule, whenever we start saying we're the exception, that's always a da- dangerous way of thinking about things, okay? Not to mention there's a lot of pride also as well. Reason number four, the most important part of your relationship is with God. So that's the most important relationship is with God. How sad would it be that in your next most important relationship, in your marriage, that you guys can't active, have an active relationship with God, okay? Uh, I know this is a little bit long-winded, worded, I mean. Um, but Christ is the most valuable thing, yes? He is. Turn with me to Philippians 3, verses 7 to 11. Philippians 3, verses 7 to 11, okay? So in 1 Corinthians, go over 2 Corinthians, skip over Galatians, Ephesians, land on Philippians. Philippians 3, verses 7 to 11. Well, whatever things were seen to me, those things I have counted as us for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. And may be found in him not having a righteousness my own to drive from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ and righteousness comes from God. Okay So you see uh, And then it goes on What he wants to know In light of the value of Christ As he's willing Verse 10 Right to know His resurrection power And even his suffering In order that we might also Obtain resurrection from the dead Looking at all this You see the value How valuable Christ is Okay That all things Is so valuable And all things In verses 8 Is count as rubbish Okay does all your verses in verses eight say rubbish? Anyone else has anything else besides rubbish? Like all count all things rubbish. Does all your versions say rubbish, or some of your versions say something else? Where are some of those different words? Say again, dung. Okay. The Greek word is skubalon. I heard once an Irish preacher preach this. I think Irish preachers make everything sound so holy, even the word skubalon. Okay. This is waste, bodily waste. Okay. If I had an NLT, a very non-literal translation, we don't go there, right? You can get the idea. Here it's saying all things are done, okay? All things, if we have a non-literal translation or more like our lingo today, all things are what? As my daughter say, poop, okay? All things are poop compared to knowing what? Christ. That's the surpassing value of Christ. Now, if He's that valuable, why would you disobey God and seek your relationship Unbeliever. Just merely because he says don't, you should just say, okay, I will. No questions asked because you love me, I love you, right? Why break your relationship over with God? Why value something else above God and Christ? Fifth reason why is to glorify God together in your courtship or your marriage, okay? You want to do this. The scripture is very clear we are to glorify God in everything. 1 Corinthians 10 third, oh actually, if you're Philippians, turn with me the next book over, Colossians 3.17 okay? Colossians 3.17, this is what God's word says. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the matter of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Okay? So Colossians 3.17 shows very clearly that what? Uh, we are to give thanks to God. And whatever we do, we should do, do it for the glory of who? Do it for the glory of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ. That's also stated clearly in the, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31. So I know we're in Colossians. We're going to be moving towards the direction to the left. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. I used to call this the Big Mac verse. When I used to love Big Mac. It says, Whatever then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of who? God. Whatever you eat or drink. Right? And by the way, I think the principle we could draw from this is how do we glorify God is also by enjoying Him, okay? If you do all things and you have no emotions for God at all, merely out of sake of duty, does that glorify God as much as when you do it out of sheer joy, right? If notice here, talking about even what you eat or drink, okay? This is not saying eating the food that you don't like at all and then saying, oh, I'm doing it just for God and for my health, right? This is saying, you do it all things for the glory of God, okay? To enjoy Him and enjoy Him forever, but wouldn't it be so sad that if you're going all out in your life to enjoy God, and when you're so excited, you tell your wife or husband, wow, this is what God's doing in my life. And the nicest they will be is just pat you on the back and say, oh, thank you. That's pretty nice, son. Huh? I'm glad that Christian thing works for you. Wouldn't it be so sad? Wouldn't that be so sad? So in light of this, I want to now talk about application as our third point. We're now going to be looking at our third point Which is application So knowing all this, okay Remember earlier, I'm speaking specifically Not going into uh, marriage But if someone is already married to a non-Christian We don't what? Create a second sin By breaking up the relationship Okay Um, We're trying to minimize as much problem and sin uh, And conflicts possible Okay So now we're going to go into application So my application, the way I'm going to drive this Is I want to have application first for those who are not in relationship those who's interested in someone, then in a relationship, and those who are also um, married and ministering to those who are single. Okay, remember. Let me cl- clarify again. Uh, I'm not. All these verses say, "Hey, if you're married to non-believer, you break it up." Okay, I want to make that clear. But I want to apply these uh, to to these different areas. Okay, those not in relationship, have are resolved to not compromise but be faithful to God? Right. Sometimes people get caught up in a relationship. Right, they see someone and they didn't. You hear this sometimes, right? For weddings, like, oh, I didn't think I'll end up marrying this person. We were just in the same class, we were working the same company, right? But have you resolved ahead of time already to be not compromised, but to be faithful to God? Secondly, practice obedience to God in other parts of your life. Okay, Uh, so relationship is one of those things that are hard. Okay, relationship is one of those big things in life. But the big key area is to be faithful a little. And faithful in much, okay? Faithful in little, faithful in much, okay? So even if you're single, when you say, oh, I really wanted to not compromise and I'm not sure, practice being faithful of little things, okay? I find in general as a Christian life, um, if you're faithful in a lot of small things, that's a sign you might be faithful in what? Big things. By the way, isn't that true at work? Isn't that true at work, right? People get promoted when, well, generally speaking, if there's no politics involved, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in what? Much, right? If you're able to be A supervisor of five Maybe there's promotion to ten Etc Does that make sense? So faithful of little Faithful of much Okay How does a Christian Find someone Who's a Christian? I think the church But not just the church But serving in the church I do think there's places for What do you call those Different sites? Uh, uh What's it called? Anthony You look like you're going To give me an answer <laughs> Christian mingle, okay, if you're single, okay, Uh, all those other things, I think there's a place, but also use it as a tool, I'm not against it, but use it as a tool, and use it as a tool to meet someone, but also you want to see what bigger picture than just them telling how wonderful they are, you you want to see them how they're like at church, and their family, that kind of thing, okay, let's go to application, those who are interested in someone, find as soon as possible, the person's a believer, how, ask them, right, Sometimes people are wondering all much. like I don't know if they're a believer. I would often ask. Just ask them first. But also realize people could also be self-deceived in their answer. Don't just ask. The best way is what? Don't, don't, I think also another way, the wrong application is also or to say, I don't know if you're a believer. What are the signs? And then you play what? Holy Spirit fruit inspector. Okay? I think the better way, you'll be inspecting for fruit, but don't just like say, hey, give me a resume to show me you're a Christian. I think the better way is talk about who? God. Okay? If they're talking about God and every time they say, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. The point is not to know, but it's what? To marvel and to glorify Him, right? Talk to He or She about God in the Bible. And of course, observe the person's fruit. Okay? Just from your own observation. If the person is not a believer, I would say, as hard as it is, this is why we go slow. You should not be with that person. And it's going to hurt. Yes, it will hurt. But count it as what we've seen in Philippians. This Christ is surpassing value, relationship with the individual, as the greatest value of all.? Okay. Next point is those who are in relationship already, If the person is a believer, then what do you do? Praise God, okay? But keep on growing in Christ together, okay? They're just say "Oh, just the mere prerequisite of check. OK? But now that they, you guys both know God, this is time to really grow in God together. Keep on growing Christ together with the word. Serving and through prayer, don't just merely stop, as I said earlier, that the other person is Christian. Since they are a believer, you should ask the following questions about your relationship. do the, person in, or do the people in each of your lives know and love Jesus more because you're together? That's, you know, remember their goal is to glorify God. Do they generally look at and say, "Wow, what a beautiful example of godly courtship. Do they see God's grace and truth working in you and your relationship as you walk together? the person is a non-believer, I think to do the right thing and there is a place to say, I will end the relationship, okay? There's a place for that if they're not courting. By the way, some people think, okay, we need to have missionary dating, okay? We need to make sure, I I can't leave because what if this person leaves, this person is going to hate God. That's how we feel. I know the temptation is very real, the feeling of that. But I also think we have to honor God first. In fact, some of you guys might know this individual in one of our couples meeting. Uh, not going to this church presently, but in another church. The guy was in college. I was in the Marines during that time. And I actually came back one weekend to confront him and say, hey, you know what, I love you. But I have to say, this is not a relationship you should be in. And the person says, you know what, you're right. And the person ended it. And he was so concerned, that like, I don't know if this is because of my Flaws. This person is going to reject God. We prayed about it together. I still remember, you know, eating outside a restaurant on Focus Plaza, praying for that person's salvation. That person was generally praying for that person's salvation at this point. Now, so they'd be uh, in a relationship so they'd get together, right? But also I think sometimes that is a testimony. Just like church discipline, sometimes it's a testimony of God's grace. It goes against human convention. That's not the way of man-centered way of thinking. It blows my mind still. But God uses that. And that person other person did become a believer and I think a genuine believer and desire to grow in God in a very intense way now we want to talk about special application for those that are already married but you minister to singles whether your own kids whether those in the church share these truths with single Christians before they're in a relationship okay preventive steps are the best gently remind these truths okay this is why, as a pastor, I go with single guys and say, hey, are you guys interested in someone? Not because I want to pry everyone's heart with guys, okay? Not because I, I'm nosy, right? But because, hey, I just want to know where their heart is at. And also remind them gently, hey, you know? I remember one brother here had a 3C, a relationship. It was pretty funny. I won't say who it is. It is, uh, the, the three standard the person said was what? Cute, uh, Christian. And crazy about me Now I think that's a little crazy Okay uh, But definitely uh, With that Christian Is important Okay uh, Christian is important Also Those who are married There's application still for us We want to exhort those In relationship Married and non-believers To obey God You know um, Sometimes that happens We want to pray for them Don't go in guns blazing Thinking you have it together But go in gently Because just another Dying sinner to another dying sinner in need of God's grace, praying for them, encouraging them, hearing them out, also s- reminding what is the right thing to do. And more importantly, that you have fellowship with this believer that is probably having a hard time to love someone that is not a believer. Okay? You want to be gracious and this is what God has called us. For how long? For as long until we go home. Okay? We want to love them. We want to minister to them. And also be careful of thinking we we have it better. Okay? And sometimes the reason why we're married to the other person is surely because of God's grace. We know our heart could easily be pulled away. Easily pulled away with the lie saying, Oh, if I'm not with this person, my chance to marry someone is going to be gone and there might not be another chance again. So you want to be gracious. If you look back, well, perhaps the pull of even Your interest with other believe, uh, non-believers And stuff like that In different parts of your life The temptation or struggle Or if you have That should spark with us Compassion and gentleness But why do we do all this? It's for Christ Fortunately in the case of Ruth She is a believer And as we'll pick up next week I think we're going to see The way Boaz Pursued the courtship Is beautiful But more importantly Bigger picture It's going to lead To them having a child That's going to be even affecting all of us So stay tuned for the next week And next two weeks Let's pray Oh Lord God It is always my heavy prayer As a pastor For all those who are single I just pray this even right now Lord you know my heart I do want to see people Get married and married to those who are godly, and they themselves will be godly. Lord God, we also want to pray, Lord, for those that are in a difficult situation in their marriage and relationship. Help them in their individual situation to continue to follow you. Father, I also want to pray, Lord, knowing that you're our good God, knowing how sinful we are, how broken I am myself. I also want to end by even praying for our church's unity Lord, uh, I do believe that often with misunderstanding, as painful as it is, there might be time of growth and really loving each other and going to Christ. Lord, I also want to pray, Lord, that whatever misunderstanding or whatever has happened, there will be much forgiveness. There will be much uh, thinking of of others highly than ourselves. I pray, Lord, uh, Lord, just for your grace for that. uh, In Jesus' name we pray.